I'm Dr. Sarah Dill, and this is the Stressless Physician Podcast, episode number 10. Welcome to the Stressless Physician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Dill, MD. Using my unique combination of coaching and mindfulness tools, I will teach you practical ways to reduce your stress level, feel happier at work, and create a better balance between your medical career and personal life. If you are a busy practicing physician who wants to design a life and medical career that feel good to you, you are in the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to be here and today I'm going to do something a little different This is episode 10, which I'm very excited about. I'm feeling like I'm now a beginner with some more experience, and I am still having a lot of fun doing this. And I decided I was thinking about a podcast I like with one of my teachers. And when she started way back hundreds of episodes ago, she did a lessons learned episode and sort of reviewed different things that she had learned from different teachers, and I love it. So anyone who's ever gotten on a Zoom call with me or done coaching knows I have a big bookshelf full of all my books. I don't actually read them that much anymore, and I don't actually buy that many anymore. It's interesting to reflect on, but they're like friends. So I I do really feel like I've I've sort of self-helped my way to a good place. I am not really searching for more tools. I mean, I do like to learn more things, but it's really not something that I spend a lot of time on anymore, looking for sort of the next thing to feel better or anything like that. So all I can say is that for me, I've really found the tools that work. um, And I would always encourage anyone to test everything out for yourself, right? You know best. And who I want to talk about today is actually the lessons that I learned from my very first coach and the first coach training I did, which is Martha Beck. And so the way I first discovered coaching was that I was really pretty unhappy. And I'd had a series of different work positions as a dermatologist. And each one was great and on paper looked amazing. And then I just kept not being satisfied. I sort of would have this feeling of not being happy or not feeling fulfilled. Or I think a lot of it came from, as I discussed before, some scarcity thinking and imposter syndrome thoughts of not being good enough or knowing enough, right? Which made it very difficult to find a lot of satisfaction in my work or feel confident in taking care of patients. And so the way I solve problems is when I have a question, I usually try to find a book or an article or read something about it. And that's what I did then. And I don't know if you remember Oprah's magazine, O Magazine at the time, but Martha Beck, who was a Harvard graduate, near and dear to my heart, was the person who wrote in the monthly life coach or coaching column. Coaching was still pretty new then. And then Martha Beck had also published several books on really how to get unstuck, how to navigate to a life that was more fulfilling. She has a book called Finding Your Own North Star. 
another one called Steering by Starlight. I'll make sure to link to her Amazon page maybe in the show notes. But she has a lot of books on this and lots of tools. And I really enjoyed them. They really started helping me a little bit and at least giving me the thought that maybe all was not lost and I could figure this out, right? Those thoughts felt true. They felt more resonant. They gave me a little sense of relief. Um, And then I decided that I would sign up for her nine-month online coach training program. This was all in the winter and spring and summer of 2013. And I really had no intention of being a life coach. I had been a residency program director, which was really my favorite job. And I loved helping residents and young faculty as well, sort of figure out decisions, often by noticing if we were trying to sort of people please other people or live up to expectations or what we actually thought might be good for us. And so coaching seemed like it might be sort of a good fit, again, not as a career path, but as something to sort of help me figure out how to be happier and how to figure out what my future career path might look like. The secret with life coach training programs is that it's really all about coaching yourself and getting coaching. So it's a total mind transformation that I would heartily recommend for anyone who is interested. And so I did Martha Beck's training in June 2013. And then afterwards, I ended up doing a second training with Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. And I will also do lessons learned from Brooke Castillo because she has taught me so much as well. So stay tuned for that in the future. But today I wanted to talk about lessons learned from Martha Beck. And this was really fun for me to do because I went through, I actually still have some of my old notes and I reviewed some of the books I have and just really reflected on the things that still resonate with me. And it reminded me of some things that I'd forgotten about, but once knew. So I guess I didn't really forget, just wasn't the forefront of my mind. So I'm just going to sort of share some random collection of words of wisdom or teachings that Martha offered to me, either in person or via coaching or through her books and reflect a little bit on them. The first one is one I think I have mentioned before, which is a quote that Martha often likes to use. And it's that the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And the reason I love this is because it's a reminder that we need to be in charge of our mind, right? We need to sort of direct it as to what we would like it to focus on, what we would like it to find evidence of, right? The kinds of questions we want to ask ourselves rather than just being at the mercy of our mind or our brain. Left to its own devices, often our brain sort of defaults to fear, scarcity, worry, right? We have a negativity bias. We have a mind that is often looking for problems. We have a mind that has a lot of language too, right? There's this voice in our head that never stops talking. And generally what it's talking about is always not that useful. (laughs) So is your mind a fun place to hang out in or is it not, right? So I love this idea that the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Sometimes I think about my mind as like a golden retriever or as like my puppy, Teddy. 
right? I like to direct where he's going to go. I can throw the ball and have him fetch it. I want to tell this golden retriever brain of mine what to go look for, what to seek, what to find, rather than just have it being in charge of me. So that's the first lesson I first learned from Martha Beck. Another very coachy thought that I first heard from Martha is this idea that the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And again, you could maybe find an exception, but I would just have you notice right, the patterns. And this is why in coaching that it often doesn't matter where you want to start with coaching, whether it's a work issue or a relationship issue, whether it's relationships with patients or colleagues, whether it's a personal issue, whether it's with weight loss or health. Often, because it's the lens through which we see the world, right? It's our cultural conditioning. It's our unconscious and subconscious sort of belief systems and programming that the way we show up, the way we do things is often very consistent across many different areas. And so one, you can just start to unravel or work through it in one area and it will have this ripple effect and show up in other ways. Sometimes I like to think about it as the glasses through which we see the world, right? Or maybe the windshield on our car, Coaching is like cleaning your glasses off. It's getting rid of the smudges. It's like cleaning that windshield off so that you can start to see the world more clearly. You can see your patterns more clearly. You can see where you might want to go and where you are going. Are you even on the right path? Are you on the right road? Are you on the wrong interstate? And coaching allows us to start to respond rather than just react. And so this idea of the way we do anything is the way we do everything. It's just an invitation to start to notice what is the way I do things? Is it possible that I could do it differently? How do other people do things, right? What are maybe some of their approaches? What might work better for me? It's just an invitation to start to notice your patterns. The next thing that Martha offered to me, and this of course is in a lot of different teachings and in coaching and everything. She has a quote of question every thought that causes suffering and test it against your own sense of truth. And often we'll sort of think something's true because we're very familiar with it. We've believed it for a long time. But in this case, when she says question every thought that causes suffering and test it against your own sense of truth, The sense of truth here is sort of a deeper sense of truth. So for me, the way I think about this now is that if something causes me to feel a lot of emotional suffering, it probably isn't true for me in whatever way. And so we often will have these limiting beliefs that feel very painful and they create this sense of being stuck or not having options. Those are the thoughts you want to question. Those are the thoughts you want to practice disbelieving. She talks in her book, Finding Your Own North Star, and by North Star, she means sort of this inner compass or the way that we know maybe what is the right life for us, how do we make decisions, where are we navigating to. So the way to find your own North Star is not to think or feel your way forward, but to dissolve the thoughts and feelings that make you miserable. You don't have to learn your destiny. You already know it. In some ways, you just have to unlearn the thoughts that blind you to what you know. 
And so this is often, I think, a little bit woo-woo maybe, but you can just notice, right, when you're really clear with yourself and if you can set aside your fears and worries, where do you want to go? What do you want, right? What is holding you back? It's always going to be a thought and a feeling. Another idea that I love that I continue to borrow from Martha Beck, although I don't even know that she was the originator of it, is the idea that decisions made from fear are rarely wise ones. I just did a podcast episode on decisions, and decision-making is one of those areas that often we struggle with because we have fear that comes up. So what if decisions made from fear are rarely wise ones? Another thought, another little piece of wisdom, is the way out of fear isn't safety, it's freedom. Right. So what if the solution to feeling fear isn't to figure out what's safe, but to figure out what feels like freedom? The process of spotting fear and refusing to obey it is the source of all true empowerment. I love that. The process of spotting fear and refusing to obey it, right? You don't have to resist it. You just don't obey it, is the source of all true empowerment right, of really stepping into our own power and choice. Martha also, she has a lot to say actually about fear. (laughs) I think at the time I was deep in fear about making a mistake. What should I do? Could I take a sabbatical year? And so a lot of what I wrote down that resonated with me has to do with navigating decisions and fear. So Martha also offers the difference between success and failure isn't the absence of fear, but the determination to pursue your heart's desires, no matter how scared you are, right? So I just like to think that fear comes along with us, right? Fear is part of the journey. It's not a sign necessarily to turn back or go another way or to stop. So another way to ask yourself this is every time life brings you to a decision point, to a crossroads, You could ask yourself, what would thrill and delight me rather than what will keep my fear or the events or people or things I fear at bay, right? What would it look like to go towards love, not away from fear? So that's a little bit of a pivot point there as well. Another way that sort of Martha offers that. Can you move towards love, something you love that feels like love to you rather than just away from fear? One of the ways that Martha taught me and taught others of us in her training to differentiate between fear that you should listen to, right? Fear that is true for you, fear that maybe is coming up to say, stop, turn around, go back, right? Fear does have a role for us. I don't want to say that all fear should be dismissed. So how do you differentiate between fear that maybe is just part of a normal reaction, right, of our primitive brain on the way to our dreams versus a fear that we need to listen to, a fear that we actually are headed in the wrong direction. And the analogy is one that I love and I share with my clients. And it's an image of you standing on a very high dive board. So way up, very high, like I picture Olympic level high dive. It's a super hot day, and below you is a pool of sparkling blue water, 
the perfect temperature, looking lovely, very tempting. So a high dive and below you is this pool of beautiful blue water and it's hot. So that right image often will feel very exciting or exhilarating. We want it, but we're afraid, right? If you're like me, I'm a little afraid of heights and I would be scared. So this is the idea of fear or being scared plus excitement or enthusiasm or sort of wanting to go that way, right? So I want it. I want to jump off, jump into that pool of sparkling, crystalline, clear, beautiful water, but I'm afraid. That is the fear that comes up on the way to your dreams that you should sort of set aside or just expect as part of the journey. I call that combination of fear and excitement being scare-sighted, right? You're scared and you're excited. Scare-sighted is a go-ahead, go, right? It's a green light. You're headed the right direction. Now picture the same high dive. This is part of the analogy. Same high dive. It's a hot day. It's a very high, high dive up there, Olympic level. But below you, instead of that crystalline blue water, is a pool full of sewage, right? Or just dirty water. It's just gross. You definitely don't feel any desire to go that way. In fact, maybe you feel dread or you feel sort of grossed out, right? So that is the fear, fear plus dread, fear plus like a negative feeling, a don't go, I don't want to. That's maybe the fear that you should listen to, right? That's the wisdom of your body saying, no, we don't want to go this way. So that's really sort of how I toggle often between fear that is just part of the deal, part of the growth opportunity, part of working towards your dreams versus fear that's signaling, no, this is the wrong way for you. So for me, and again, this is just what I've discovered really is helpful for me in creating a life that I love is that being scared and excited is a go for me, right? That's where fear is part of the deal. Martha goes on to say too, that it isn't necessary or what if it isn't necessary to know exactly how your ideal life will look. You only have to know what feels better and what feels worse. What would happen if you began making choices based on what makes you feel freer and happier rather than on how you think an ideal life should look? So it's the process of sort of feeling our way towards happiness, not necessarily overthinking it, that helps us create our best lives. So I love this. This is really what I do with coaching. I think I talked about this too in my episode on beliefs, how to believe new things. Is that what if we sort of navigated between what's warmer or colder, what feels better or what feels worse, right? We want to work through the beliefs there too, but you could just notice, right? What am I telling myself? What would actually feel better, right? So when I started reading Martha's work and I had the sense, oh, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's some answers here. That felt warmer. That felt better than thinking I was really messed up and I was ruining my life and I could never figure it out, right? Those thoughts felt colder. That was like a no. So this idea of sort of toggling, what if you sort of noticed 
Does this opportunity feel warmer? Does this interest of mine feel warmer? Does this job offer feel warmer? Whatever it is, do these thoughts I'm offering myself feel warmer? Moving in that direction. I love this idea too. Martha was the first one to introduce me to this, is that no part of our experience is wasted. What if everything we've experienced so far is part of what we were meant to learn, right? I really struggled with this idea that I was making mistakes and I'd maybe wasted a lot of time, right? That thought feels terrible. It's a very negative feeling thought. It feels cold. It feels tight. It feels like a lie to me, right? It's a stressful thought. So this idea, what if no part of your experience is wasted? What if everything you've experienced so far is part of what you were meant to learn? Notice if that feels like an opening for you. Notice if that feels more peaceful. If so, that might be a thought that you want to keep. I love the idea that we bring everything with us, right? No part of our experience or our past or our learning is ever wasted. What if when you considered whether to say yes or no, you just chose the response that feels more like freedom, period, right? Do you feel free? Does it feel spacious? Does it feel warmer? That's really how I make decisions. And then I have a brain freak out, right? Then the fear comes up and then I work through that. Martha also offered, if you're miserable, make a choice. If you're still miserable, you can choose again, right? What if we just get to keep choosing? What if every day we get to make decisions? She also said one time that we should just cave early. And I love this because it goes very much against a lot of our ethos of don't quit. But the idea about this, and I'll talk more about this when I speak about another teacher of mine, is that sometimes when we know something is not a good fit, right? We really know that it's actually better to quit early. It's better to cave early right? There is a beauty in not quitting when you're really committed to that outcome. Then I say, don't quit all day long. But if you don't really like where you're headed and you don't really want the result of the life you're leading, right? Or maybe the best case scenario is not where you want to be headed. Cave early, quit early, cut your losses early, right? Just consider that. When is it good to quit early and when should you just keep going, right? The decision there is really about do you want the results and why? She was the first one that mentioned to me that, well, she says that I really do think that any deep crisis is an opportunity to make your life extraordinary in some way. I love this idea and I tell a lot of my clients I really believe in never wasting a crisis, right? A crisis is often when we get to a point where our pain has gotten us to a place where we are willing to consider changing, right? Where the pain of staying put is now more than the fear of changing, than the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, Right. So, what if a crisis, if you're experiencing a crisis, and if you are, I'm so sorry, it feels terrible. But what if a crisis is an opportunity to make your life extraordinary in some way? What if it's an opportunity to start to recreate your life in a way that could be more amazing than you can even imagine? Martha 
was the first one, I think, who also said, imagine what you'd do if it absolutely didn't matter what people thought of you. Got it? Good. Never go back. Right? This is a very life coaching idea. What if it didn't matter or it didn't matter so much to us what people thought of us? What would you do? How would you be different? Do that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about decision-making. So I have a few different quotes here. The first, and this is another coaching tool. I think she taught it in our coach training. It's also in one of her books. She talks about when making a decision, focus on what feels, as she calls it, shackles off versus shackles on. So a shackle is like a handcuff, right? Or some sort of restraint. So what feels like you have handcuffs on versus handcuffs off? And so how she described this is to notice when you feel shackles on, which might feel like being stressed or trapped or stuck, right? It's going to feel imprisoning. You may have fear there, like we talked about, but in the case of shackles off, it's going to feel liberating. It's going to feel more like freedom. It's going to feel more open. Right. So fear might be there, but that's going to be a shackles off sensation. Right. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, that's like too good to be true. Right. That's a shackles off sensation. You could just notice. What if I said you can never take call anymore? Would that be shackles off or shackles on for you? So that feeling will be there even if fear is there too. It's a subtle sort of feeling. What would it be like to make decisions? based on that, right? It's again, another variation, another iteration of warmer, colder. I love this idea that enlightenment and truth always tastes of freedom. For me, it also feels like relief. It also feels like relaxation, right? That's how I sort of know if that's a thought I want to keep thinking or not. So some common shackling beliefs or shackles on beliefs, just to give you an example, might be things like, I have to protect my reputation. I have to keep going to work five days a week. Parents should always put children first. Doctors should always put patients first. Or patients always come first. Or it's bad to be a quitter. Or I don't know what to do. I can't just do what I want. I don't have any choices. I'm trapped. I'm stuck. Those are beliefs that are probably going to feel shackles on, right? They're going to feel tight and constraining and stressful. They might feel true to you because you're used to believing them. They often come from family of origin or culture, right? They can often be unconscious or subconscious. Martha offers us the thought, freedom is available to us at any time to anyone. And so is captivity, right? What are you thinking? Do you feel captive or do you feel free? Again, does this feel warmer or colder, right? What if it's just a game of warmer, colder? I used to play that as a child where someone would guess something and then they'd just tell you warmer, colder, and you'd walk around until you figured out what it is. Martha says, make stuff up. Anyone who ever did something new or interesting was making it up as they went along, right? I love this idea of permission, period. What if you didn't have to follow the rules? What if you just get to make stuff up? What if you have to make stuff up? What if that's the way life works? Again, another quote sort of about fear. 
Martha offers us this idea. You will never realize your best destiny through the avoidance of fear. Rather, you will realize it through the exercise of courage, which means taking whatever action is most liberating to the soul, even when you are afraid. Right? Imagine the choices you'd make if you had no fear of failing, of losing, of being alone, of disapproval. Would you make different choices? Again, imagine what you'd do if it absolutely didn't matter what people thought of you. Right? What if your best destiny is only realized through the exercise of courage, not through the avoidance of fear? When we started coach training, she would tell us that if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Right? Are you willing to like not do something well? Are you willing to suck at it for a while? Right? It's hard sometimes to go from feeling like an expert in one arena to a novice or doing something badly. But if it's worth doing for you, it's worth doing badly, right? You won't do it badly forever. (laughs) So for those of us overachieving physicians, sometimes that can feel like a gift. What if anything is worth doing badly if you want it enough? Another lesson I learned from her was this idea that what if you can let yourself love more love others more by caring less. And the distinction here is sort of about caring what they do, right? Caring in the sense of it feeling like a burden. She had this saying, I love you, I accept you, and I don't care what you do. Meaning it gives the other person back their freedom, their autonomy, not like they ever lost it in the first place. She brought this up in the context of coaching, right, as an attitude for coaching clients. What if you can love your clients, accept your clients, and in some sense not care what they do? I also bring this into my clinical work, quite honestly. I think one of the reasons a lot of us experience burnout is when we are more invested in our patients' results, their outcomes, right, their thought processes maybe than they are. Can you love your patients unconditionally? Can you accept your patients as other humans, right? Imperfect, flawed, idiosyncratic. Can you love them and accept them and in some way not care what they do? Can you let them have the autonomy over their own lives? Right? Can we live and let live and love and let love? Can we do this with our family and our friends? It's very empowering and very freeing, and I would suggest that it actually creates a closer relationship in some ways. It sounds sort of awful to those of us that are used to, you know, clinging to caring, but I just offer you that. What if you can love more by caring less? This is one of my favorite pithy sayings. (laughs) All your thoughts are little handcuffs. Oh my gosh, I love that. All your thoughts are little handcuffs. Again, you know, this is really the heart of where I do my coaching is to look at the thoughts that keep us from happiness and fulfillment and look at the thoughts that create stress and overwhelm for us. Martha's great at helping us navigate our life. And then a lot of the work I do is on dissolving the thoughts that 
block us from owning what it is we want to do or feeling undecided or feeling stuck. And then the last quote I want is actually from one of her most recent books, which is a book on integrity. And this she was just working on when I was in coach training. And in it, she I'm just going to read you a, a, a brief uh, paragraph. She says, integrity is the cure for unhappiness, period. Integrity is the cure for unhappiness. Of all the strategies and skills I've ever learned, the ones that actually work are those that help people see where they've abandoned their own deep sense of truth and followed some other set of directives. This split from integrity is almost always unconscious. Right? She says she sees people that strive to cooperate with every rule for living they've learned from their respective cultures, which is a terrific way to run your life if you like to look good and feel bad. So by integrity, when she says integrity is the cure for unhappiness, what she means is she means wholeness. It's not a moral integrity, but to be an integrity is to be one thing, whole and undivided. And the way to know that you're in integrity with yourself is a lot of what I've described above and what I describe in doing my coaching, which is this tuning into your own inner guidance, your own inner wisdom, right? That inner voice, that inner voice usually is not loud, right? It's not urgent, but it often should feel sort of calm and clear and still and open and it's solid, right? You have to sort of listen in. She describes that the way you can recognize this inner teacher, inner guide, is often in our reaction to recognizing truth. So again, this is the truth that sort of doesn't create stress. It doesn't create suffering. So she says the body's reaction to recognizing truth is relaxation, right? Your muscle tension decreases. The mind's reaction to recognizing truth is an aha or an of course or a light bulb moment right? It makes sense to us. She says that when the heart recognizes truth, the ring of truth feels like maybe an opening, right? Like there's some space there. It can be painful, but open. And then what she calls the soul or the spirit, recognizing truth feels like freedom, like spaciousness. So again, I would notice, right? What if you navigated by heading in a way that feels like relaxation, like an aha, like an opening, like freedom, like spaciousness. You're going to have beliefs that pop up that block you from even knowing what that is sometimes. Those are the ones to sort of disbelieve. I love this quote from Rumi, the poet, what if what you seek is seeking you? That's a thought that always makes me feel settled down. That's a thought that feels like truth to me. It feels like I relax my body, my muscle tension decreases, my mind sort of recognizes it as like, of course, that makes sense. It feels like an opening and it feels like freedom or spaciousness. It might not resonate for you. That's totally fine, right? You always get to check in with yourself. Well... I hope you've enjoyed this. Martha Beck is a little bit more woo-woo than some of my other teachers and coaches. And I think she has so much wisdom to offer. 
as with anything, I would say, take what resonates, take what feels true to you, take what you like. And if it doesn't feel great to you, then leave it behind, right? I love this idea that what if we're each our own expert, right? What if we each know what we need? What if my job as a coach is just to help you see what you can't see because you're often too close to it, right? It's actually very helpful to coach people who have very different belief systems because then I'm not in it at all. So that's just another way that this works. All right, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed some of the lessons that I have learned from Martha Beck. Feel free to reach out and send me an email if you have any questions or comments. And otherwise... Have a wonderful, amazing week, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. If you are a busy practicing physician ready to start feeling less stressed, enjoy work more, and learn how to create a more balanced and sustainable medical practice and life, sign up for a consult call with me at saradill.com. That's S-A-R-A-D-I-L-L.com. It would be my privilege and pleasure to work with you.